And let's go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Blake and Chris show featuring Jeff Glocker. Because once again, I have Chris Hayes here filling in for Jeff because Jeff is off in Texas gorging himself on barbecue and drinking craft beer to the extent that he won't be able to fit in his Honda by the time he gets back. I'm very amused that this is... I coincidentally happen to be the host, even though we record at my house all the time. You re- we record at your house. You record you record it on your equipment. Yeah, and um, you're 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 better looking than Jeff, Chris. I don't know about you're that. You're a sexy, sexy beast. Oh, thank you, Blake. That anyway, makes me feel all special and tingly inside. You, that's you probably shouldn't. You should probably see a doctor. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you know, I hear yeah. if that lasts more than four hours, you're supposed to call a doctor anyway. Okay, gross. Um, anyway, yeah. we are um. This is our 33rd episode, and I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, my friend Nick, who's been listening to every one of them uh, progressively. And he told me um, – I was hanging out with him earlier, and he was like, man, it's like hanging out with you like in person, but I haven't seen you in like four weeks. So, so thanks, it, Nick. He's so it's better. It's, it's better because he doesn't have to see me. <laughs> the best part is I don't have to see him too. Just yeah. kidding, Nick. I love you. Not really. And um, he's on episode 16, so he's got a bit, quite a ways to go. Hurry up. Yeah, he's only halfway through the run. Yeah, really. Yeah, so... Um, I, don't what, I, don't, I don't even remember what episode 16 was. We were so young. Uh, who knows? Oh, Dude, back I, then. with all the podcasts I do at this point, I lose track. I have no idea. Chris, you're just pumping them out like Irish babies. Yeah, yeah, and thank you for the uh, xenophobic slur. Um, Boston Strong. Yes, yes, sir. Um, Yeah, so let's get right down to it. New car news. Do we have any? New car news. There, the, the C-Class got um, leaked today. Oh, it did. I, it, I was yeah, I was away from the computer, so I didn't see that. Gonna go get your iPad. Um, yeah, I will do that. Um, well, let's go, let's hear okay. about it a little bit. The new C class looks kind of like the front end of the E class and the rear end of the CLA because it's got that swoopy thing. That oh, that's unfortunate. It's, it's weird. I, I kind of like it. It's kind of baroque. It kind of looks like like it kind of looks like those like old. Uh, Rolls Royce Delta 88 Brogram Coupes from the 70s. It's you realize you just pulled out a string of like the most obscure references in automobiles possible. That's what I do best. That's no, what no, I do. No, you're best. not Dan Neal. <laughs> no, I'm not as I'm not as uh, talented as the guitarist Dan Neal. No, no. Uh, yeah, Dan. Or Dan crazy. likes to do that. Um, but uh, well, the, your vocabulary. You don't use words that are usually Baroque. quite. Well, I used to play piano. There was a period of Baroque. Music. Is I'll give you Baroque. That's okay. that's a quality. That's that's on the Neil scale. It's it kind of looks it just kind of uh, screams personal luxury car. Like it's kind of cheesy, but it kind of works. And I don't mind it. And I actually saw a new S class the other day. Yeah, that's not a bad so, looking car. No, it looks it looks good. It doesn't. It's a big girl though. I'm not sure if it looks. It doesn't look that big. I think the last one looked bigger. Maybe because it's those like stupid, stupid wheel flares that look cartoonish. But the last one I think looked bigger. This one looks svelte. Yeah, in the interior, of course. I mean, it's an S class, so I, I want to go with the interior. It's pretty much beyond compare. Um, so so C class does look good. The interior looks great. Other, than, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the new C class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I spent some time around an S seven, and I, I'm, I'm warming up to sedans of that size. I used to just completely disregard them, but well, I, I can see. I, you know, I can. I understand what they're for. It may not be my thing, but I can appreciate them for what they are now. Well, I'd love to get an E38 7 Series, like the last of the good-looking BMWs. It's probably from 2002 when I had the 750iL with the V12. Yeah, that's also the transporter car, and it was in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, I can't believe that they actually use that as the transporter car because it's so such a big car to be trying to whip around nimbly. 
Yeah, but it's it's that sort of limousine that, you know, afterwards they went to the Audi A8, so it's, it's, it must have made the first It's for the opulent room. thief. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, technically, if you're a thief, you just roll in a Camry because who's going to spot you? Well, yeah, that would be the idea. But, These you know, it's a movie, so you have to use... You have to use that BMW, then later flying Audis. Yeah, just um, like Ronin. Yes. So uh, speaking of BMWs, ooh, good segue because yeah. there is an M235i, and it I don't hate it, which is probably good. This is really the least BMW can do at this point. Here, here's my thing with the new M235i. It's going to be a great car. I know, you know, it's pretty much a given. Right. Um, my issue with it is that the one, the M135. I think was a better looking car because it was stubby and had big wheel had big wheel arches and flared fenders and just looked very aggressive. I think this 235 in its regular guys, uh, the two series in its regular guys is a better looking car than the one series is. But I think the, the one M, series right. M is Got a it. better looking car than the two series M. You know, the whole BMW styling thing, it's I don't even try to bother with that because all new BMWs are ugly. And worse, not ugly, but boring. Because honestly, they're, they're all just like so much crap thrown on I, there for I'll take, design's sake. I'll take that. You know, I take a little bit of umbrage with that. Okay. I think the new M, M4 is a good-looking car. I think it's the logical evolution of the E46 M3. Yeah, okay, that okay, that one's the best one. Which was my favorite-looking yeah, M3. Right. But, you know, you, you get BMWs, and you get them to a point, you get to 2003 or 2002, and they stop looking rational and good and minimalist and modern and sleek, and they just... You know, Chris Bangle obviously had to do what he had to do, and I'm thankful that I, he did I liked, that. I liked the Bangle M5. I but, thought that was a fantastic car. That is a good-looking car, actually, the, the last five series, and everyone hated it when it came out. I don't know why. It wasn't that bad. No, it's it, by at this by point it would actually by, yeah. it would actually couldn't have looked restrained by today's standards. It ages gracefully, and now BMW mm-hmm. went through the weird, the wild flame servicing period, and now they've gone back to well, we don't know what to do. Let's make them look boring again. So we're waiting yeah. for the next great upheaval of BMW design to blow our minds. And obviously, and then of course all the BMW buyers will bitch about it again. Uh, everyone's gonna bitch about it. All the auto journalists yeah. gonna bitch about it, but. I think BMWs, to me, exist on a philosophical realm, and Raphael from Jalopnik wrote a great article about it. BMWs have been the same car for the last 50 years. We just, haven't, we just forgot about it because every time there's a 3 Series, we're always like, whoa, the one from, three genera- the two, one from two generations ago was better dynamically. This one's too soft. You know, we said that when the E90 came out about the E46. We say that now about the current, what, F30? What's it called? F30. I, I, I stopped keeping track yeah, of the F10's, designations. F10's they because largely I don't care about them anymore. Yeah, me, me too. So the um, new 3 Series, a lot of people don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I, I don't think it's a particularly great-looking car. It's not they great drive looking. really well, but they're... It, it's got a great powertrain, but the, the driving is just, you know, Mercedes-like, big floaty. It's... So, um, that's a lot of people are looking at the E90 and saying, man, that had, that had like really the best steering. It had everything was great on the E90. So the next three series is unless BMW admits to making a lot of mistakes with the current three series, is not going to tolerate any mistakes. Um, yeah, that was not. It's no, that they're was not, not gonna, a good German accent. Um, but they're not gonna like renege on that sort of thing. So that leaves us with the one series and the two series, which are, they've well, always the said, one series is going away. Well, yeah, because let's see the okay, okay. So, so the one series numbers, will no longer exist. Even numbers are coupes. Yes, and even numbers. Odd numbers are hatches and sedans, right? Yes, in except in the case of the what is it? 
the four series uh, Grand Coupe or right. something like that. I can't remember what it is, but they're doing a four door four series. They're also doing a four door six, six series. series. Right. But so they've is- taken their own designations and they've thrown them apart. But I feel like we've gone through this. Before. Right. But that's only a Grand Coupe. We can we can probably say there's a two series Grand Coupe, and it, yeah. we can probably just say there's a sedan version of a coupe version of a sedan version. And then all of our heads will explode. And that's how Germany <sighs> BMW, won the if I had any amount of feeling for you whatsoever, I might weep. It's just gone to shit. BMW, if I wanted to play that cliche of losing your way, then I'm playing the world's smallest violin on yeah. my fingers right now. Um, so BMW's aside, whatever, so- it's... Yeah, BMW is still going to do what they are going to do with the 2 Series, and then every auto journalist is going to be like, BMW still got it. They haven't lost their way yet. This is just like the E30. And then I'm going to take two shits and die. Well, that's that's one way to go about From things. both mouths. Ooh, both that's uh, graphic. Yes. Um, so That's what I do, what we do here at Hooniverse. So we, were, we did cover BMW. We covered Mercedes. Covered Mercedes. Is there anything new from Audi? Not a damn thing I'm aware of. Oh, interesting bit of news. Um, Some people visited the Audi, uh, one of the museums in Audi, and they found that the RS division built an RS4 B5 drivetrain into a TT, an original TT. And that's cool because it was four-wheel drive, six-speed manual, and it was an RS4. How the did that work? I well, mean, they was... wanted to shoehorn the engine in there, but they basically ended up just putting the entire powertrain in it. So, oh, like, so they basically just took a, a a TT shell and shoved it on top of an R on a shortened RS, yeah, RS four, yeah, essentially. And the result is awesome because it doesn't look outlandish. It yeah, but like that first gen, they, okay. drove it, they put thirty thousand kilometers on it. They just drove it around. No one knew what the hell it was. Yeah, I mean, the the original TT. I don't think is a particularly great looking car. I like it a lot. Um, well, of course it is. It's kind of quirky and weird. Therefore, you're going to love it. Yeah, it's very Bauhaus. If I might use another artsy uh, term, actually, no, that's not Bauhaus design. But um, you're right. It's stream. No, it's not stream. It's it's um, Bauhaus design is, is very different uh, discipline. But it, it's Teutonic in in design nature. Yes, and everybody did say it was Bauhaus when it came out because auto journalists don't know a damn thing. Yeah, that, yeah. So I'm just quoting them. No, no, that's fine, it, and it's a common misunderstanding. But it's certainly not brutalist. Anyway, um, anyway uh, I think that you know the the current TTRS is a great car, but um, especially after you you know have some people up the boost on it a little bit because that motor can take some abuse. Um, but and yeah, the TTS is a Golf R, but better looking. Yeah, I believe. effectively. Yeah. Although you may as well get the Golf R because it's going to be cheaper. Um, yeah. So the current one looks pretty good. I just don't think, you know, they're they're working. Oh, spy shots of a new TT were released, and it's like, it looks like a mini uh, R8, which is cool. I mean, I guess you can keep the TT. It's kind of like a forgotten sports car. Yeah, I don't. You just don't see. It. You, you don't they're expensive. See them. They're kind of expensive for what they are. Right. They're not. The, they're never the leader in their class. You, they're not. They're not it's, the most fun car to drive. They're still front wheel drive, four wheel drive architecture. It's like the. It's like the quote unquote sports car that you know that the nice lady across the street from you buys when you live in New England. Yeah. Because it's all wheel drive, and she can drive that in the winter. 
And that's a, that's kind of the it's, market for it. Not to say there's anything wrong with that, right. but it's not. I wouldn't. There's not really anywhere else that that. Not fits even. In not with. even image obsessed Los Angelinos are buying TTs anymore. No. no, they're all moving up to. Bo- they're either buying Boxsters or they're buying or they're Range Rover Evokes. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's nobody I got cut buying. off by one on the way here today. That's why I mentioned it. Oh. Um. Yeah. So that aside, we uh, us along with uh. Eric Glucker went to uh, the Peterson Museum on Saturday, and we uh, we went to a little presentation with our uh, friend uh, George uh, Moto Man. The Moto Man. Uh, and he did another one of his Inside the Moto Man Studios with Bob Lutz. Maximum Bob. You know, um, Jeff and I got to interview him earlier, and um, before that, got some great info. Bob... He still still got it. All the journalists love the guy because one, he's led cooler lives than any of us combined. Two, he's uh, he told us that story about um, checking out babes with Charles de Gaulle. Oh, at the Paris Motor Show. Okay. And then three, he flies fighter jets. Four, he uh, he tells it straight. Obviously, he told us that sort of thing. And um, he's he's a really nice guy. He's super nice. Like I thought I was gonna be intimidated as hell. Like. Who's this bastard that's not an interview people, you son of yeah. a bitch? Who are you with a gun? They let you they hired you. But no, he's uh he's incredibly cool. Uh yeah, an interesting guy. He's got a lot of stories. I think the the one of the more interesting ones, of course, was the uh was the bit that he brought up, you know, I think with you and Jeff, and he also brought up with with the presentation at large for the audience, was the the outcome of the GM, uh, the GM government loans, the Pontiac thing that, the, that apparently Pontiac. blew up all over Twitter. You know, I got so many um, angry tweets at me from Tea Party people. Which oh, they can go I fuck thought themselves. Was funny. Who yeah. cares? Fucking that was that was great. Yeah, yeah. Was, fuck you, Obama, for killing Pontiac. Pontiac, the official car of the Tea Party. Yeah, Pontiac, the official car of redneck dipshits who buy Maverick cigarettes at Flying J at two in the morning. Yeah, well, you know, truckers need to smoke. Um, yes. So, I'm I don't who care cares about, about these assholes because the thing, the simple matter of the fact was, is it was a business decision. And you know, here's the ultimate here's the ultimate irony is these people are all about making clear cut using business logic in the government. And as soon as the government actually applies business logic to something, no, they, just hate, they all they just bitch and moan, rally against so, the government for anything. They you know? just want an excuse to to. To hate against the fuck, something to hate right. against the president that's because in office they're right all now. old and they don't know how to turn off caps lock on their iPad. Well, that and they may have predilections to not like certain colors. But that aside, um, and we may have lost some listeners here, but we don't need those listeners. Um, yeah, direct all your angry emails to Hayes Data at. No, no, don't kidding. tell them my email. I'll just, just please. Uh, <laughs> so it's. You know, whatever. Yeah, no, it, it makes it was sense. An interesting makes fact, sense. though. I mean, the simple matter was is that, you know, they looked at they looked at what was performing and what wasn't, and they went, okay, Chevy's a given because that's their that's their cornerstone. And they're like, Cadillac's doing well, and then they asked them, well, can we get rid of GMC? And they go, no, GMC does a lot of fleet sales. Now that really surprised me because GMC, obviously, logically, should you should have gotten rid of it. I mean, they should have gotten rid of it because it's just Chevys with chrome grills on it. Well, it but, isn't. It isn't because Bob the thing is, is there are higher there are higher spec GMCs like a Yukon Denali, right? Yeah. It is a huge profit center, and they sell a lot of that kind of stuff. And they also sell a lot. Of, they also do a lot of fleet sales. Like I've got family that are in construction, and like right. they just go to GMC and they go, "We need fifteen of these." Right. You know. Yeah. And, so and that GMC made sense. specializes in that. 
So they've got that, and then they came back to so they covered that, and then they went and looked at well, can we cut Buick? And GM basically came back to the government and goes, look, if we don't have a U.S. presence for Buick, the Chinese won't buy it. Also, Buick made money. Yeah. So in America, it came down to well, how much money did you make on Pontiac? Well, and Bob Lutz flatly set out. None. None. For the last 10 years, none. And he spearheaded the Solstice, and he brought us the G8. And you know who bought those? Like four people and Jim Wangers. Um, and you know what one he spearheaded before that? The import of the GTO to, to test out the We water. have a – ladies and gentlemen, we have one of four former owners of the GTO sitting right here. Chris Hayes. Yes. Give him a round of applause. It was actually a really good car. I'm just kidding. One, um, of, my, one of my friends back east has one. He sold it for a legacy B-spec. That was really dumb. I know, um, I know. Because I like his GTO. The GTOs were fast. Um, they drifted like a mad son of a bitch. They were great for that. Long wheelbase and very stable. Um, and then the other cool thing on them is that they were built in. They were completely built and engineered in Australia. And the build quality on those cars was so far beyond anything else that was coming out of GM at the time. And quite frankly, it was more on par with an Audi or a BMW. Right. Um, and the interior quality in those, for the kind of money that you were spending, the leather quality and everything was very, very nice. I mean, it was it was a surprising product to see from GM at that point in time. Oh, totally. And it's it's a car that we've clamored for forever. Like, well, how can we don't get the Commodores? How can we don't get the rear-wheel drive Falcons and stuff? Right. And it's frustrating as a, as a car enthusiast and someone that has some grounding on how business works. Like, you know, car enthusiasts really need to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, but they sell don't. your children. Everybody's cheap. They go, oh, I'm going to buy something used. Well, then you don't get to you don't get to pitch a moan when the market doesn't create the things that you want. Go buy a G8 right now. Go buy a Chevy SS right now. Stop bitching that it doesn't have a manual and buy five of them and sell your house and move your kids into one of your Chevy SSs. So we can send a message to GM that enthusiasts are still a profit center. To be realistic, though, even the though Chevy we're not. SS, it's not that people. Oh, it's a premium product. It's not that expensive uh. by modern cars. Standards. I mean, they're going to be forty grand and up. Thirty-eight grand is that thing? Something in the forties range, right? So, tell me how many other full-size V8 sedans that you can buy for less than forty thousand dollars? Charger SRD8 is more expensive than that. Yeah, and it's a pile of shit. Right. So BMW 5 Series. I mean, you get into like a really shitty engine BMW 5 Series. Yeah, to the north of forty grand. Yeah, you can get a stripped-out 535 for that kind of money. And here's the burst bubble. Maybe. The interior quality on a current BMW, it's pretty good. It's not a premium product over, what, the Australian-imported Chevy SS. Probably would have a great interior. I haven't seen one um, yet. But you know based what? On what? I haven't seen the, the GTO. It, it'll be decent. I don't, I don't know that it'll be up to the quality because the Germans have made some pretty big strides in interior quality in the last decade. And they were already, they were already the benchmark. But and they're really good. I think this BMW bashing is really going to get me murdered by ah, BMW cares. ninjas. You know, it's not that we don't like the BMW. It's like family. they've kind of lost their way. Yeah. It was um, like that cliche I just said about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> anyway. Everyone's awesome. All that aside. We're all, we're all just the, lost souls wandering in the suicide forest of Japan. The Lutz thing was, was an interesting thing. I think my favorite anecdote about that whole thing was the story about – Quality testing and cats. That was awesome. That was so cool. apparently in like the late seventies, early eighties, when Honda and Toyota were were doing quality assurance on their vehicles to make sure that their weather stripping and everything were sealing very well, 
over the course of, at the end of the work week, they'd take one of the cars off the line, put a cat in it, and then come back on Monday and go, hmm, let's see what the status of the cat is. Well, if the cat was almost dead or dead, you'd know that the factory was churning out good vehicles because that means the cat asphyxiated because it did not have enough oxygen. So, um, so apparently they then tried that at GM uh, with cars of the same vintage. And they put the cat in just for shits and giggles. Uh, you know, I don't, obviously we're not condoning the animal abuse here, but it's a fact these things happened. Uh, they threw a cat in there and uh, they came back on Monday and the cat had escaped from the vehicle. Um, that is that is the greatest story. It really is. is. I think out of everything that Bob Lutz said, that was my favorite thing because it's just so bizarre. And so appropriate for, what yeah. is it, 70s GM? Oh, God. Late terrible. 70s, early 80s GM. Uh, I didn't know that he had actually, speaking of BMW, I didn't know that he had actually had involvement with that up until that point. I, I knew he was involved in BMW. I was surprised that he was able to talk the chairman out of not building Mercedeses. Yeah. Because he said BMW was looking at the Mercedes S-Class and thinking, you know, we should build our cars like that. And then Bob Lutz talked him out of it. So all those um, all those great BMWs we that hadn't quote unquote lost their way, we can thank Bob Lutz for that. So, uh, if you want to see the whole Bob Lutz interview, I believe it's uh, Georgia's site is Motoman TV. Yeah, Motoman um, TV, and it's on YouTube. I believe Motoman has a channel on YouTube, and um, it's you can watch the entire two and a half hour presentation. Um, yeah, it was a very lengthy presentation, but yeah. it's it's fascinating. Uh, well really worth is. the time. Um, Bob was talking about his childhood too, which is great. And you know, he yeah, was in the Marines. He flew. I forgot what he flew in the Marines, but he definitely would. It was things was with. Cool they, they were jets. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Born from jets. Yes. Um, I did ask Bob Lutz for his uh, fighter pilot business card, and he didn't doesn't have them anymore ah. because he sold the jet. That's what he told me. He might still have them. He might just only give them to hot 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 girls. Honestly, uh, if I were a fighter pilot, I would do the same too. Well, eh, who knows? Yeah. Um. So we wandered around the Peterson, did all that. We got to go down to the vault, uh, right. saw some very cool stuff down there, a bunch of old Bugattis. I was there uh, the day before for the Peterson Gala where I met Ken Block and Patrick Dempsey and I got to hear Jeff Beck play. Oh, I didn't know that then, was going on. Uh, it was me, Chris Kendall from Road and Track, who we need to get on the podcast because he's cool and he has great hair. And then um, Ken Because Block hair is, is important in podcasting. Look at my hair. We have, I have Anchorman hair, mm-hmm. as Jeff says. Um <laughs> but uh, also, Ken Block and his wife were there um, on a private, essentially private tour. It was more of an impromptu tour. Yeah. Chris and I asked the uh, one of the pages there, um, oh, "Is the vault open?" He's like, "You know, it's not, but I have the keys here. Fuck it, let's go there." But it doesn't take anything. It just somebody's just gonna take you downstairs and just open up the vault. I mean, their big thing is they keep it limited just because there's a lot of vehicles that are in there for restoration. And there's no way to actually keep people's hands off them without having a docent there to kind of wrangle the crowd. And there's also a storage area behind the vault that's actually not open to anyone, even if you ask, even if you're yeah. anyone down there. And they have – I got to see a glimpse of it the first time I was at the vault two years ago. They have two – they have three Isuzu concepts. They have a four-door Viacross. They have an Axiom convertible, and they have a two-door Axiom. Is this just stuff that they're keeping down there because they don't have room in the museum up top? They or? probably sold it already. I mean who the hell is going to buy a four-door Viacross? Across besides everybody, yeah, it's a uh, it's a compelling vehicle. It's um, yeah, that's what you, you so, can't see. And, me on and you know, they had the like the round man. window rolls there, yeah, uh, which is which is haunting. That, that is such a massive car. 
And it really does look like it's one step away from being the 1930s Batmobile. They had they had Jack Nicholson's um, grocer short wheelbase parked next to Saddam Hussein's lawn wheelbase grocer. Yes, I saw that. And Saddam um, Hussein's is brown. So say what you about the man. That's still he's still a terrible. Maybe he man. was a wannabe automotive he's, journalist. He's still a terrible human being. Um, yeah, well, he's dead. Thank God. Um, Fuck that guy. So there, I think the coolest thing I saw down there though was uh, an XJ220. Oh, that was cool. Wasn't um, that cool? I wanted to it, sit in it. It was, uh, you know, the XJ220, it definitely shows its early 90s heritage. Oh, it's such a car of the time. Um, but in every other regard, that was a car that was well ahead of its time. That car um, that car was definitely one of my um, poster cars, even though I didn't have uh, It's so a funny because it. you never really associate Jaguar with cutting-edge technology and really or high performance. Cars. I mean, they make they make expensive muscle cars effectively now yeah. sedans and expensive muscle cars that's what they do and um, a lot of people bash the xj220 for being a failure or whatever no it's it's, it's super, kind of is but you know it, it was a super expensive car but the thing Jaguar, is, is what you expect people like to assign that name that word failure to things that weren't necessarily meant to be mass market products they said about the f just like the aforementioned gto that you were saying you know people go oh it failed i didn't sell any of them no, the deal was is that that was the end of that car's production run in Australia, and they said we'll bring thirty thousand of them to the states and we'll see how they go. It was a limited run thing, and I think the XJ220 is largely the same thing. I mean, that was how expensive was that car when it came out? I mean, it was probably a couple hundred grand, two hundred, I think. Yeah, two hundred seventy. So, and in early nineties, in yeah. early nineties dollars, you're talking like probably six, seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So. You know the equivalent of six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars now. Is so that's of... that's not a car you're going to sell a lot of. So you know it's you know just be wary of the things that people quickly label failures, and you got to look at the business cases behind them. Sometimes they just weren't meant to sell that many. I mean, by that mark, Bugatti Veyrons are failures because they didn't sell that many of them. Well, they're also losing Volkswagen shit. Well, yeah, they're moving, but it's a it's a loss leader, but they're also using it as basically a technology test bed. Right. So there's there's that you know there's always a business case behind these things. These people are not stupid. Um, they've got to have a business case to put a vehicle on the market. It's just that simple. Um, so but there was also Steve McQueen's Jaguar. Oh yeah, KSS. Yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, there's some cool shit down there. Uh, but honestly, I mean, the coolest shit for the most part is up in the museum. Um, yeah, except for that solar powered car. That yeah, it's not that cool. Eh. You know, I was. I think out of everything also, in the museum, ex- though, except for that purple, that pink S two thousand, that was in the second Fast and Furious movie. That thing's not cool. Uh, yeah, that's so that I was right on that car. Okay, I was like, I think that's from the Fast and Furious too. Yeah, um, that was the one that jumped the bridge. Um, okay, now you're being even more specific than I was. You see, you see this. I took it to one level, and then you took it to a way other level. Yeah. Um, my, my memory works in a strange way. Well, um, you're also extremely tired, Chris. And do we want to talk about why you've only gotten two hours of sleep? Um, sure. Uh, I was out, uh, the last couple of days with the entire drive channel crew is basically out here. Minus, uh, minus Larry, Larry Casilla and Leo Parente. Leo. Um, I think, uh, Leo was probably busy, uh, protecting his pot of gold. And Larry was busy running his business, Ammo Auto Care, which, by the way, Larry's a friend of mine. Check out his stuff at AmmoNYC.com. He makes the best detailing stuff. I use it myself, and I'm not, like, being the shameless shell here. You totally I, I totally use that stuff, and I fucking love it. Um, I, uh, I'm a friend of Leo's, and I can say that 
He's a short Italian. He's not protecting a pot of gold. He's protecting a pot of marinara sauce. Ah, that's uh, a good point. That's, that's, uh, anyway, it's, it's Leo. Leo's, um, Leo's cool. We should get him on the podcast. Yeah, we'll probably, say we that can, for everybody. Well, yeah. <laughs> the only thing is Leo's so rarely out here. But anyway, so Drive Channel crew, we had a lot of cars to test. Um, Name them all. Name them all. Let's see. We had Jaguar F-Type. We had the, the orange one that we had uh, to Pebble Beach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had that. Uh, we had a very bright yellow 911 Carrera S with PDK. Right. Uh, we had a Fiesta ST, which I spent a lot of time in. Right. We had a C7 Corvette with an unfortunate automatic transmission. Um, let's see. We had an S7. We had an M5. We really? had S7? Yeah. Uh, what else did we have? Um, what color was the S7? We had the 320. Okay. The W320. Was that a manual? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. Really? That's, um, whoa, manual with the sport package? Uh, yeah, I believe so. That's interesting. That's a car i got to get from you. Uh, everybody said nice things about it except the fact that it was kind of slow. Um, yeah, and the steering's not great. And, yeah, to the point where Chris Harris was just like, I'm tired of t- hearing everybody say, it's a nice car, but it's slow. Um, so we had all those things. I'm trying he to also think. had a Mike Mosto brought his uh, Charger down. That's his own? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, I had my vet out, and we went and did some canyon runs. Uh, and uh, yeah, oh, we also had a uh, CLA forty-five AMG. You know my thoughts on the CLA. Um, I spent some time in it, and I've got some thoughts on that too. Okay. Um, so we went and hit the canyons. Uh, and uh, one of our friends, it's a uh, our friend Sarah Trimble, that's a uh, stunt slash precision driver. She's a hell of a wheeler. Uh, she was uh, she was out with us too, and did the mall hauling thing, and did a lot of swapping of cars and driving very quickly. And um, I will say, let's let's hit it on that CLA forty five real quick. I drove that for a little bit, and I think the CLA forty five is a very nice road going car that happens to be fairly quick. It's definitely not good on the track. Like no, it is not a track car did you, at all. Did I did not it? take it on the track, but I was there as Mike Musto just got back from it on the track, and he goes, this thing's a piece of shit on the track. Oh, and it's awful on the track, and it really is. I heard day. three people that – I heard three people basically say the same thing about the CF, CLA 45 on the track. It's How, that it yeah. pushes, and the transmission kind of has a mind of its own. The transmission – yeah, the transmission does have a mind of its own. It, it has trouble getting the power down. The steering – loosens up for no particular reason on the track. But then when you get it on the road, it works really well. It's yeah, well, that, that's what It's got that kind of electronic, artificial the, weight to it's it. It's a perfectly fine car on the road. You know, as the only Mercedes that's worth a damn on the track is like the SLS GT in black. The other ones are – Mercedes, for the most part, are worthless on the track. I, as much as everybody may love them, they're not – that's not what they are. The C63, if you really know how to drive it and not just end up having shitloads of drifting fun with it – that's all As a hard. serious track car, it's a bit tough, but honestly, you just... But you once just again, transmission problems and that, it does what it wants to do, not what you tell it to do. Right. Um, but back to the CLA 45, you know, I drove that up and down Mulholland a bit, and it's a good car for, you know, going out in the roads and, and running canyons and stuff like that. It's not the greatest car in the world, but it's fun. It's kind of like a grown-up Evo. That's what I've been saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got a nice enough interior. It's very, very comfortable. You get in the car, and it feels, for a quote-unquote budget luxury car, it feels like a substantial vehicle. Things are very, very solid in that car, and you notice that the second you get behind the wheel. Um, the motor is fantastic. Um, I will say that every, everybody had very kind things to say about the engine. Um, 
it was it was really the transmission on on doing canyon runs and just driving around town that's the bugger um just because it doesn't always it's a dual clutch but once again mercedes is programmed it in such a way so that it believes it knows better than you yeah uh, um did you drive it in manual too cuz it does have trouble trouble downshifting yes that's that's what i'm talking about specifically okay right um so did that. Uh, that being said, I will say I still like the car, and I think that if they just tweak the transmission software a little bit, that car could be really, really, really good. Yeah, it does kind of make sense. Although Mercedes is playing with fire, pushing that CLA two fifty under twenty nine thousand dollars thing, that might cause uh, bite them in the ass in the long run. But I, I don't, you know, I don't care. I'm that's really, a philosophical thing we can touch on later. Yeah, and they're going to sell a metric shit ton of those cars. Um. Because people go, oh, it's Mercedes, and it's $29,000. My mom emailed me about that. I think well, yeah, I mean, yeah. and your mom's not, like, My up on cars. Shit about cars. Exactly, you know, and when you're catching opinion, you know, when you're catching the attention of people like that that don't really pay attention to this stuff, and they go, $29,000 for a Mercedes, sign me up, you know, they're going to sell a lot of them just under the, just by the prestige of the name. They may ultimately dilute the brand, but, you know, we'll see what happens. So what, um, else, what else was there? Um... What else do am I interested in knowing about you from there? What how did the C seven feel to your C six? Was this your first time driving a C seven? Yes, it was my first time driving a C seven. Um and I will come away saying first thing, that automatic transmission is dog shit. Yeah? Um that is the standard GM's I believe it's the standard GM uh 6L it's either the 6L60E or 6L80E. I can't recall which. I think which. it's the 60. I think someone else mentioned that to me. At one um, point. I think the 80 might be a truck transmission now. I can't recall. It's seven um, speeds. Right. And um, uh, No, it's it's six. The, no, wait. The automatic in the C7 is seven speeds. I thought it was. I, thought, I don't know. I'm anyway. Once again, a, I'm running on two hours of sleep after a twenty-hour right. day. It is. It is seven speeds. I drove it. I didn't really have any problems with it. It shifted fast enough. It shifted. I some, usually on. I hate I that. Fucking transmission in that car, but I have heard that it, other people have had problems with it. I don't um, have any problems with it, so which is really unfortunate because, as you know, people may know, I know my GM drivetrain stuff because I've worked on a lot of them, and that transmission with an aftermarket tune on it in other vehicles is phenomenal for an automatic. I should say I should put that caveat in there because all you do is you up the line pressure in them and you basically take away a little bit they they do what's called torque management in them which means they pull some power on the motor during the shift so that it's a little easier on the transmission if you ease up on that torque management stuff and you up the line pressure that thing will slam gears almost like a almost like a single clutch right um and a single clutch automated not a DCT or a manual just to clarify okay um and it, it can be a very good transmission, but the way that it is, it's too soft, uh, and it's also it also misbehaves and does not always fall. You know, there's definitely a major delay in gear shifts. I didn't notice that. Uh, I uh, I had major problems with that. You you had a black one. I drove a white one at uh, track day a few weeks, yeah, almost a month ago, and uh, um. I think the point we're driving at here is that a big downfall of a lot of cars these days is the transmission. The especially yeah. shifting times and yeah. programming because honestly if they want to shift whenever they want to shift that's kind of a problem. Yeah. It's 
So otherwise on the, on the C7, um, obviously the interior is, is fantastic in that car. It I really like it. is. The menus get kind of confusing. Um, I don't mind the Chevy. I don't, you know, I, I pretty universally loathe all the manufacturer systems. The Chevy, what is it? My link? I can't no, remember. it's not even MyLink. I can't even remember. To that. What's it, it called? It, it, it is, is MyLink. It is called MyLink. And I've used that in the Impala, and you know, same thing. It's, it's kind of cluttered. It's serviceable. The um, gauges, though, you can change. You can. Here's the thing. There's the okay, gauges so there's on seven the are nice. There's, there's their gauges are awesome, but there's there's seven. To modes, be clear, right? that's not Chevy MyLink in the gauges. That's kind of its own separate. No, that's thing its own aside. Johnson Controls developed system. It's yeah. Okay, you got Eco, you got Rain, you got. It's an eco well, range, those are your, snow, those are your sport, sport plus, traction track, control, and, and normal. yaw control systems. Yeah, that's true. But they also have different uh, gauge set uh, displays for them too. So, yes, they do. And you can, change the, you can change the mode on a knob in the middle, but you can also change the gauges to a completely if you're, different If you're familiar system. at all with any of the Corvettes over the recent years that have had like the magnetic ride control, it's a little round controller right in the middle of the console yeah. that you can just, you know, it's the same way. It was, it's, it's very, very similar to how it was done on the C6. Right, um, and that thing will change what traction control setup or track mode behavior what you want it to. Yeah, but then you can also change the center gauges to look different, and then you can change the two gauge sections in the left and the right yeah. to display whatever information For you example, want. For example, and then your head explodes around. When you that. go into what was the most ex- aggressive mode? Is it sport, it's I, track, or track? Okay, so I think they call it race. I, whatever it is, you know, it's the uber fast. I'm gonna do th- stuff mode. Right. Uh, so. When you get into that, it goes into the classic hockey stick style, um, you know, rev limiter, right? Re, you know, rev, you know, RPM gate, you know, tack. Yeah, there's the word, the actual word, the, the Yeah, why did I not um, remember that? Yeah. Either. Um, so, you know, and it's very, at that point, you look at that and you go, ooh, this kind of reminds me of the C4 and early C4s in some right, regards. Right, which is cool. Um, but it's not great for visible, like, clarity. So I really like sport. To look at for that, and Eco is actually pretty handsome to look at too. So you can change the displays on your own. Yeah, and then there's three different traction control modes. I think they're in Sport Plus mode. They're separate, so you can have like two different. Yeah, you advanced can traction you can modes. mix and match things. You can mix and match so much. Yeah, you can. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's good in that regard. The and one thing I will say that was a huge improvement over my C6 beyond the interior seats. It. Uh. Well, yeah, but I count that under interior. Oh. Um. Is that its ride height is a little bit higher, and it does not. They got rid of the uh, air dam in the front of it because it used to be they had the air dam in front to direct air into the radiators, but also to create a low pressure zone under the car for effectively, you know, to help with downforce. Right. And they got rid of that because they designed the whole system a different way. So now you can drive the car around without hearing that awful Corvette scraping sound that every anybody that's ever been in a Corvette has heard. Yeah, you um, just drive around yelling to yourself, replaceable part, replaceable part, yeah. layer item. Um, you know, so, and I've had, you know, I've had my vet for a while, and it's just like, you still, you do that, and you always wonder, every time you hear that, you go, am I scraping the nose, or am I scraping the air dam? Oh, man, as a guy that drives a lowered car that's not even that low in L.A., yeah. it's it's like listening to your, a child's death rattle. Yeah, it's... It's pretty bad. It's yeah, it's unnerving. You get used to it, but your it's, balls it's, go right up into and your every esophagus. time somebody new is in that car, they go, "Oh my god, what did you do?" And they're like, "No, no, no, no." And then you have to explain the concept of an air dam, and it turns into a very complicated thing. Yeah, when I'm in my um, car and that happens, someone's just like, "Oh my god, do you hate your car? Do you not know how to drive?" And I'm like, "Listen, it's yeah, yes, I do. So I hate my car." Okay, air dam aside, and all the, those positive aspects. Here's what I'm gonna say. I think 
the C7 is takes away from the driving experience and it clearly holds your hand in a lot of regards. And I think, quite frankly, um, it is there. You can feel the electronic interference versus the C6. And mind you, I probably am a lot more attuned to this just because I literally went from hooning my C6 around the canyons back to back with hooning the C7 and and, and doing a direct comparison. Well, um, yours also is not stock. No, it's not. But I mean, I've spent enough time in C6 Corvettes that I can tell. And okay. the, the first thing I noticed when I got in that car was that the C7 feels heavier. It right. absolutely feels heavier. Now, and it is heavier. I haven't driven a C6 ever. I know. That's weird. Oh, well, we, well, we can fix that. Okay. Um, cool. So that, you know, it definitely feels heavier. And I feel like the center of gravity is higher, and I believe it is, because one, as I said before, ride height is a little higher. The other thing is is the direct injection system on the LT1 also adds a lot of weight to the top of the motor. Right. Uh, and I believe it's on the order of like 30 pounds to the top of the motor. Wow. Um, well, direct injection systems necessitate a lot of things. Um, so... I'm not bowled over by the driving experience. I'm reserving judgment until I get proper time with a manual. Um, but I'm going to call it off the bat right now. And if if the manual does not drastically change that experience, I'm going to go out and say I'm not a huge fan of the C7. Okay. That's, um, that's a fair point. Which pe- a lot of people will be surprised at that. But I've never claimed to be a Corvette fanboy. I just like it because it's a good value. And, you know, I'd love to drive – well, Chris, I'd love to drive your Corvette at some point. Yeah. And then – um, Hopefully, I'll try to reserve a uh, manual C7. And, you know, worst comes to worst, I can probably just pick up a Grand Sport for not too much money. Yeah, you could. Or um, a C5 Z06, my favorite car in high yeah, school. Yeah, that's a, that's probably about the best value going. Um, so, Corvettes aside, uh, what else did I what's that, What else did I drive that I really enjoyed? Did you drive um, the Cayman? Uh, very, very briefly. I like Caymans. I always have liked Caymans. I, I think haven't it's driven a better... the Cayman, but I've driven Boxsters. A few um, times, I, as Jalopnik knows, and um, yeah. no, I like the Boxster. I've always liked the Boxster. It just feels like it's I'm, just a car that does. It's it's not possible like you know a Miata or a traditional Roadster would be, but it's definitely a car that's so incredibly precise. I would argue it is on the top. I, I think it's by comparison to you know you drive a Miata most days of the week, every day of this week this exactly week. right. So. I to me the Cayman is fairly tossable. Um, I think you're you're uh, you're used to a different standard of tossable on yes. that. Um, the Cayman is pretty tossable for its size, especially compared to a 911. Because yeah, you know, it's yeah. frankly the Cayman is a better car than the 911. They just hold it back with the power. But we've gone on that without uh, gone yeah. on about that on ad nauseum. And I'd love to get a Boxster, you know, just not a ninety thousand. Yeah. I'm not a Boxster, Boxster guy, but I'm not a convertible guy in general. Right, that's but fair I do enough. like I do like the Cayman. I think it's a great car. Um, and like I spent some time with the, uh, Cayman R last year nice. and I haven't driven that. great car, <laughs> way overpriced oh, and not course. enough power. Of course. Um, but that's the same with the Boxster Spider on the flip side. Yeah. The Boxster Spider looks incredible, especially with that bikini top that uh, one can... of my neighbors has it. Well, like two houses down. Nice. Is um, it silver? Uh, no, it's white. Oh, that's a great color. Um, you know, you can get that convertible top for a Miata. Just yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see what else. So I drove that. Uh, the I drove the uh, Carrera S very briefly, right? Uh, and it's it's a Porsche. I hadn't driven a 911 in a very long time. It'd probably been 
like five years since I'd driven a 911 since I drove that. You drove a 997, obviously. Yeah, I drove a 997. Um, and I drove 996s as well, well before that. But um, I haven't had much experience with Porsches either. This so. is the so this is the 991 Carrera S. So it makes about 400 horsepower, if memory serves me correct. And this is a PDK setup, and right. it was optioned out to like 145 thousand dollars. So it was like obscenely expensive for what it was. It's like McLaren P12. Yeah. But C you know, it, it's wow. it's the usual Porsche thing. It feels very everything in there is put together very very nicely and. You know, me and the other guys from the Smoking Tire talk about the immediacy of Porsche drivetrains and that there's no slop and that it's it's very direct. You don't feel that there's any inefficiency. Like, the second you hit that gas pedal, you can feel movement. It's just a very yeah, you efficient You breathe on system. that thing, you're going. Yeah, you are. You do. And it, it is fast. I mean, we we screwed around and we drag raced that with uh, the S7 which the S7 is no slouch that is a oh, fast no, car no, I drove over 3 months that thing is magnificent it's a, it's a very fast car and that Carrera S with 400 horsepower smoked the all-wheel drive S7 which has been verified to be, believe be over 500 right no that's the RS7 no the regular S7 motor trend found out that they were lying pretty heavily on that oh really yeah so it smoked that thing and that was surprising. We didn't think that was going to happen. Um, so that was yeah. a good car. And the S7 is a car that feels uh, lighter than it actually is. Yeah. It's smaller. It feels way smaller. The Porsche on the other hand feels exactly the way the size it is. Yes, the Porsche it does. is really great at doing that because the Panamera I drove um, definitely feels huge, but not hoking, not not bulky. It's so it's not like the the Panamera is not bad to drive just because you're very aware of where it sits on the road. It's exactly. kind of hard to explain, but you just have a good feeling for the size of it and where you're exactly, placing it. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And um, it's um, it's a car that I mean, the Turbo one I drove is a car that does yeah, everything that's what you I drove wanted. too. It's every it's a car you want does everything you want it to. Like you want to be there right now, okay? You'll be right there right now. You want to brake really fast, okay? Go for it. You want to take this corner kind of fast, but not too fast. But you, you kind of want to go fast, but not that fast. All right, whatever See, speed you wanted the, to, go for it. We had the Turbo S uh, with the carbon ceramic brakes, and it was option. It was like one hundred and eighty-two grand was the sticker on that car. It was oh obscenely yeah, obscenely yeah. expensive. Yeah, no, my, um, yeah, but I was like. Fast goddamn sedan. Um, the Turbo S is cool. I had the Turbo with the executive package. That was 200,000 euros. Yeah, that's, that's obscene. The Porsches are way, I mean, they're very nice, but in my opinion, they're very overpriced. Of course. Um, so the other car that I spent a lot of time with yeah. was the Fiesta ST. I, I drove a lot of different things, but the things that I really spent a lot of time with were the, were the Vet and the, um, and the Fiesta. And I will tell you what. Out of all the really expensive things we had there, the Fiesta ST was probably the most entertaining car that we had. It really is. I love the Fiesta ST so freaking much. The Fiesta ST, I flogged that thing so hard coming up and down Mulholland. And that car is tiny, and I can place that thing anywhere on the road. And the great thing is, is that I can jam on the brakes, entering into a corner, and rotate that thing around perfectly it's so easy to drive quickly. It it feels like a rear wheel drive car, and it feels double hinged, and it just gives and gives and gives. There and is you just want to beat the shit out of it, but it, it can zero take it. understeer on that car too. Absolutely not. The brake, 
it's it's a brake vectoring system that breaks all of the wheels individually to eliminate um, torque steer and eliminate understeer. And on the on paper, that might sound horrifying because you're, you're thinking like, oh, it's electronic, it's not mechanical. Why well, doesn't have a mechanical diff or whatever? No, it works fantastically. Uh, except for the fact that torque steer is still very evident, and yeah, it causes problems. Um, not that not as bad. Oh as, yeah, I could make bad. the torque steer rear its head very in very ugly ways. But I was also caning that car so i mean i caned that car too and i didn't really you mean you're talking about launching it from or like launching it or if you get into it real hard after coming out of a corner i could make that thing torque steer pretty bad your car was broken uh no that was running just broke it after you caned it yeah that's probably uh well there was you know six automotive journalists a stunt driver and myself uh beating the crap out of it basically and matt farrow who was in a class of his own um how many of those auto journalists were bald? You, Matt, and Chris, right? Uh Chris isn't bald. Harris? Chris Harris isn't bald. Oh, he just has peach fuzz. Uh, no, he just keeps his hair super short. Oh, okay. Um, so we should get him on a podcast. Uh, yeah, he just lives in the UK. <laughs> That's the problem. Right, let's go to the UK. Uh, oh yeah, we'll yeah we'll put that on the Hooniverse uh, expense account. Um, so the Fiesta ST though, holy crap, man! I mean, and I was I was telling Blake earlier that I was. Uh, there was a lead follow, if you will, with uh, Zach Clapman, who also works on this podcast from time to time. Um, and he was in the uh, F-Type. Yes. Um, and surprisingly, I was able to keep up with Zach um, in in a lot of circumstances that you wouldn't think I'd be able to. It's a uh, Fiesta SD. I can't say enough good things about that car. But that's also because th- Zach hasn't graduated from CTSV racing school. That is true. Although Zach will throw things sideways in hilarious ways almost every time he gets in a vehicle. Um, we spent 15 minutes probably trying to get the Fiesta ST to do a J-turn, which it does not like to do. Oh. Um, the handbrake on it just, eh, it's it not conducive to it. Remind me, because I would totally buy a Fiesta ST if I needed a practical car, and sometimes I think I do, but remind me not to buy the one out of the press fleet then. <laughs> Well, yeah, don't because buy a Fiesta. Gonna... That car's been that car has has been ridden hard and put away wet by every automotive writer or person that even looks at cars on the West Coast at the very least. Yeah, including um, me. And um, it's gonna fall. You look at that thing; it's just gonna fall apart like that scene in the Blues Brothers, the end of the Blues Brothers. I don't, I don't know that that car's gonna fall apart. It felt pretty solid to me. No, I mean the the, the oh that specific one. One. that specific one is yeah just, yeah, yeah probably dead. dead um. I, and I did verify. I think I may have hit a new top speed record for a Fiesta ST at 142 miles an hour. Uh, and that was basically I GPS I, verified because you had a radar detector. Um, you know what? I didn't look at it on there. To be honest, I was busier focusing on the road in front of me. Right, because um, it was a close course, I believe. Um, we'll just say that because it's it's true. Um, mm-hmm. So. 142 out of that, and we were all very surprised that, that happened. Uh, but the circumstances were just right to make that happen, so you know, right? It, it was actually because Chris drove it off an airplane. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, and and Bob hit, Lutz was flying that plane. He drove it off. Yeah, he drove it out of an L39 Albatross that Bob Lutz was flying in. Yes, yes, he said, "Get this Ford product out of my car or out of my cargo area." So, <laughs> um, it's a fighter jet, so that's the joke. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm not a checkmate trainer fighter jet. Yeah. See, you you know planes. I don't know shit about planes. It's all right. Um, You're not Bob Lutz. 
No, I'm not Bob Me Lutz. neither. Sometimes I aspire to be as cool as um, one third of Bob Lutz. So what else could I say that was cool? Um, How, oh, let's talk about old cars. How was Mustel's Sweet Charger? Oh, it's fantastic, man. That car is so pretty, too. It makes a good noise. What engine does he put? Did he put um, I think that, if I remember correctly, I think that has a 440 in it. I nice. don't really recall. He, we didn't pop the engine the entire time. That You don't need to. That You don't care. That car is... Musto has that thing dialed in so perfectly. He was up in the Mulholland Canyons. We're all in proper sports cars and sporting sedans, and he was tossing that thing around. What's like the suspension was, on that? Like a Hotchkiss setup or better? He's got... Well, not it's better. It's like... It's this whole developed well, thing. It's like... I think it's a mix and match of different parts, but it's like... Musto has a long and storied racing background, and he's a certified driving instructor, too. Okay. So... I actually didn't know that about him. Yeah. Musto can drive and drive very well. Um... And uh, that car, he can make that big girl dance. Um, it's uh, it's really really impressive. That and it, the the other thing that we noticed um, as I was driving behind the car for a while, I started to get rather lightheaded because the fumes come out of it are so very noxious. What's the, is that's registered in California? Oh, it's a '69, so it's yeah, it's exempt. a very it's an old car. He doesn't need to, yeah. Nice. Uh, and he's driven that car back and forth across the country like six times. Nice. So it it gets used. Was, was it a frame up? Did he do a frame up restoration? Yeah, that whole car was like he's got that, and then he's got the Daytona, and they're both way way overdone uh, resto mods. And okay. and I say that in the most positive manner possible. In the sense that Musto just has like shitloads of money to do this, I assume. Uh, no, I mean Musto, you know, he makes a living. Yeah, um, not to, not to impose anything on him. I mean, yeah, no, I, you know, there was money put into him, but I mean, it's, those are his babies. Um, so yeah, but, uh, that was good. Um, you know what? Actually, that's a good segue into, um, Restomots because next week we'll be at SEMA and we have a lot of exciting content coming, coming at your ears. And that ask, that actually also includes the return of Jeff Glucker from his fantastical travels. Yes. Um, you know, I heard he, he actually grew a third arm coming out of his back in his travels. Yeah, he's now Zaphod Bieberbrox. And he is also he also killed a man. I heard he killed a man. He killed a man? With his extra arm? Yeah, just to see him die. Sweet. Yeah, that's why he was in Reno a few weeks ago. Damn. They're killing a man. Um, but he'll be close to Reno because we'll be in Vegas and we'll be interviewing... We so we've had this? John Hotchkiss. Okay, we can talk about John Hotchkiss. We'll have John Hotchkiss. We'll have Mike Musto. We yeah. will very likely have Mike Musto on. We'll either have Bill Caswell or the ghost of Bill Caswell. Yep. Um, uh, we may have Larry Casilla on, too. Larry's going to be there. So guy, there's a very good, good chance that we'll have Larry on. Larry's a very good friend. So. And then we'll just wander around and make fun of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have, to, you have to go like to the back hall of SEMA where it's like all the Chinese manufacturers that are like selling like the I, cheap... iPhone cases and then Yeah, cars. like iPhone cases. It's like, really? You came to SEMA to sell me silicone iPhone cases? I was, I was at CES. Like one entire hall is just basically Chinese companies just oh, yeah, yeah, selling yeah. LED sh- light-up shit. Yeah, it's just, you know, and they're just, they're and, really manufacturing companies that are just showing off what they can make. But yeah. I, I think it's funny when you've got one company that they'll have a booth. Where they're like, these are our iPhone cases. Oh, and we also make wheels. Yeah, and it's just like. But look, let's look at the iPhone okay. cases, guys. 
Yeah, it's it's there's some yeah. weird. Honestly, making fun of Chinese companies at this point is like picking on picking up picking on deaf children. Well, and I'm Chinese, so I can say this, but I'm not deaf, so that was still offensive. But well, that's okay. You know. The deaf people can't hear this. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why I picked them. Yeah, pick on them too. Um, so yeah, you know, I really want to make fun of just ugly shit. There's so much ugly shit. Although a lot of them are going to be roided out bros and tap out shirts that might just. Oh rip yeah, my there's face. a lot. There's a there's a lot of bros at SEMA, and there's a lot of people that like to wear camouflage uh, baseball caps because they think that's effective in hiding them. Oh um, god! You so- know, I used to look forward to going to SEMA because Bill Caswell is going to be there, and I like hanging out with him. But the more we talk about SEMA, and the more it looms, I'm I'm just like I'm going to run into the desert and bury my head in a. In the sand. That's that's not a bad option. Uh, it's certainly a more effective way to visit Vegas and save money than any other means. That that is true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, SEMA. I mean, there's there's always characters there, and there's a lot of stuff that SEMA that you just go, I would never ever even consider that. Um, there's a lot of tacky shit at SEMA. Um, I that's so I hear. I, I would say so actually, SEMA is probably seventy percent tacky shit. Just seventy. Ah, yeah, maybe I, their, you know, lower their tackiness levels. That's I don't impressive. Know. There's a lot of tacky crap there. As fake but as the also... women at Olympic Gardens. Ladies yes. and gentlemen, that's SEMA. Yes. Um, yeah, SEMA. But, I mean, there's also fun. And to be honest, most of the reason I'm going is, one, we're going to knock out a bunch of podcasts. Two, I get to see a lot of see a lot of my oh, friends in the industry yeah. that I don't get to see that often. And three, it's going to be your birthday. Yeah, it'll be my birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. How old are you? 58? Yes, I am 58 years old. Man, year. you sure you sure don't have much facial hair for a 58-year-old. Uh, no, no, I don't. I just have, you know, the uh, half beard at the moment because I've just been too lazy to shave and then the usual goatee thing. Nice. So, nice. You uh, look like a Boston sports fan. Yeah. Yeah, I do, although I, I don't like sports Go Socks. I'm not a big sports ball guy. Me neither. Me neither. And I'm from Boston. Yeah. Sorry, people. Yeah. Sorry, America. I've let you down. You know, I can watch it every now and then, but for the most yeah, part, yeah. I don't even do that. Um, so we got all that. So uh, look forward to SEMA. And, SEMA. Um, we've talked. We've talked for what hour now? I don't even know. I think it's been an hour, an hour fifteen. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to talk about. Your your Corvette. You're driving your Corvette there. I'm driving my Miata there. Yep. And uh, it'll be cool if you see us. Uh, once again, we take cash donations. Yeah, if you see us, I get paid in beer and monorail tickets. Ah, sweet. Do I you forgot. Get the, uh, we got to bring like a boombox with the monorail song from The Simpsons. Monorail. Just to, just to bug everybody. Monorail. Also, um, well, is, is there a monorail stop for Caesar's Palace? Uh, yes, Caesar's slash Palace Station. Oh, we're going to burn that city to the ground. Yes, yes we are. We're going to burn that fucking city to the ground. Yeah. And on that bombshell, stay, we'll see you in Vegas. That was smooth.